Hi, I'm James Verdeer, and welcome to the American Institute of Biological Sciences Bioscience Talks, which is a forum for integrating the life sciences. For today's episode, I was very fortunate to be joined by Juan Amador, who's the Executive Director for the Society for Advancement of Chicanos, Hispanics, and Native Americans in Science, or SACNIS, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. We chatted about the organization's history, its mission, the anniversary and upcoming conference, among many other topics, and I'll be sure to include some links in the show notes. Uh, it was a great conversation, and so with no further ado, let's go to the interview. So thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this invitation. Okay, so just to get us started, I was hoping you could give us a quick introduction to the organization. We'll get into topics in more depth later, but if you could just tell us a little bit about SACNIS. Absolutely. Uh, first, let me explain our name. SACNIS uh, stands for the Society for the Advancement of Chicanos, Hispanics, and Native Americans in Science. And we go by SACNIS. Uh, we are a very inclusive organization. And while our target uh, membership is uh, Chicanos, Hispanics, and Native Americans, we're very inclusive. And so anyone who's interested in the sciences is more than welcome to be a member or participate in any of our SACNIS events. Uh, we are turning 50 years this year, and we are celebrating 50 years of success. And you, uh, one of the ways that we will do that is through our National Diversity in STEM Conference. Uh, we call it NDI STEM. Along with our signature event, we will also have other celebrations, including timelines and certainly highlighting the past history and the success of SACNIS. Okay, great. And I'd love to uh, move on and talk about some of those current activities in a little bit. Uh, but before we do so, I was wondering, you know, you mentioned the, the 50th anniversary. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the organization's founding and, and you know, what its kind of core um, mission was at that point and, and how that's perhaps evolved over time. So SACTUS was founded actually in 1973. And there's a quick story to that. Uh, at the time, of course, there were a lot of... Uh, not a lot of representation in the sciences from certain minority communities. Uh, and it wasn't just with Chicanos and Native Americans, but among other underserved, underrepresented populations. But uh, the way that SACNIS was found was really in an elevator. Uh, and it was at a national conference, uh, AAAS. And there were a core of scientists in the elevator who recognized that they did not have a home. They didn't feel like they were being included and really took it upon themselves to discuss and and really uh, come up with a plan. And that plan led to the establishment, the formal establishment of SACNIS uh, as an organization. Uh, true to its mission, uh, SACNIS's uh, mission is to help diversify the uh, sciences, and sometimes we refer to as STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEAM, science, technology, engineering, math, and medicine. Um, throughout the 50 uh, years, we've been focusing on really providing resources, tools, and products, and more important, a community for our members to come together to really uh, advance not only themselves uh, as scientists, um, but also to build a community where 
our members can come together and bring their whole self. And what that means for us is you bring your culture with you. You can't separate that out. Uh, just because you're a scientist. Uh, we know that culture is important among our community. And then we also celebrate uh, community, uh, that community that for 50 years has been, um, you know, built upon starting with the small, maybe 50 individuals, I believe, started uh, the first uh, Stackness meeting. And now we're up to over 6,000 attendees uh, for our national um, conference. And then uh, the last piece I'll highlight about the founding of SACNIS and celebrating 50 years, it's that uh, as history has uh, uh, shown, we still face some barriers and some obstacles till this day. And so it's key that SACNIS continue to carry out its mission. And we really uh, are now using uh, our vision, which is really to bring true diversity in science or diversifying STEM. Um, I, will I will also share that uh, many of our members are now in key leadership positions and which is really important for our community because it's important for us to see oneself and whether you're in, um, in the research lab in private industry, in government, in nonprofit, in higher ed, uh, having someone at the leadership table that is part of uh, Chicano, Hispanic, and Native American is key to us. I was hoping we could chat just a little bit about, um, you know, some of those barriers you mentioned. You know, what what kinds of challenges are faced by members of minoritized groups in science? Well, uh, access. Access is always a barrier, and access comes in in many different forms. There is certainly financial access. Access. Uh, it's very costly to go to either community college or a undergraduate institution or pursue your graduate degrees. And so we try to work with a lot of partners, uh, and partners uh, broadly include educational um, institutions, private industries, nonprofits and other organizations that align with SACNIS's mission to really provide access by removing financial barriers. Another, uh, another barrier is just access to information. Our, our students don't know what they don't know. And so when you're first generation, the application process, the financial aid process, uh, how do you find an advisor? What is a mentor and, and what is a mentor supposed to do? What are you supposed to do as a mentee? And so having relationship with uh, gatekeepers is key, such as uh, advisors, faculty at all levels, department chairs, uh, deans and provosts, individuals who are in positions that really shape the access of information and resources for our students, our faculty, and our leaders. And, uh, the third barrier that I'll highlight to you is just opportunities. And so at our national conference, for example, every year we have over a thousand students presenting research and oral presentations for the first time. That will be their first time at a professional conference uh, presenting their research, and, and, and we support them. We build a network around them, get them ready to uh, present the research, and, and more importantly, um, we actually um, judge their research, and at the end of that, um, provide um, 
some type of award for them. Uh, it's key to recognize that all the work that uh, one has done, um, whether it is a small reward, a uh, national recognition, a picture on stage, a tweet, or anything on social media, just seeing yourself out there that you've done this. I think those are the types of barriers that Stackness um, continues to remove for members. That's very valuable. Let's talk about the value of diversity uh, in the other direction as well. So, you know, um, I, I think we've seen some recent work about, you know, the value of having a diverse workforce, um, you know, in an inclusive spaces. But, you know, what's the, the benefit to science of, you know, creating environments, um, you know, in which all people are able to, you know, bring their whole selves and, um, you know, participate on that basis? I'm glad you started off with the research because, you know, it's, it's written, uh, it's in many journals, articles that diversity drives excellence and good, uh, good diversity also involves good science. Uh, the inclusion of different perspectives uh, include an advanced science. You know, the way that uh, we see it at SACNIS is really focused around our culture. We bring ourselves, our cultural beliefs and norms into the science, into the labs, and really helps drive the passion for the research or help drive the passion for, you know, uh, leadership opportunities that one wants to pursue. And particularly uh, when it comes to, you know, any field in science, um, it changes, I, uh, as I like to say, it, it not only changes the lives of one individual, but impacts the entire community. And so by driving more diversity into science, we're really advancing community. We're really uh, trying to uh, and to reach a critical mass of diversity, equity, and inclusion in sciences. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, let's talk a little bit about historical impact. You've you've mentioned already, you know, the um, what it's like for um, you know students when they attend their first conference. Uh, but let's let's chat a little bit more about that. What has that experience, you know, um, typically been like? What kind of stories do you hear from you know people who are uh, perhaps attending their first NDI STEM meeting? Sure, a lot of times for us is taking the ownership to reach out to our communities, and so the way that we do that. Um, for our, and particularly for our students and our postdocs, is really uh, by uh, sending a message saying, we see the value in you. We see the value in the type of work that you're doing. So we invite them to submit a, for a peer review or, or post a presentation. And uh, it is reviewed by several faculty members, ranked and uh, if accepted, uh, like I said, it will be most likely their first time presenting. The other piece that we tie to that is the financial piece. Because of two NIH grants that we have, we are able to invite accepted um, presenters, to, in particular our students and postdocs, to apply for a travel scholarship. And that's another application separately. Um, we ask for different type of requirements, and it is also reviewed by faculty, and if awarded a travel scholarship, then uh, the individual has the uh, airfare, the conference registration, the hotel, the meals, all expenses paid for. So that's key for us because, again, what we're trying to remove is those barriers. We are trying to 
build up not only self-esteem, professional and leadership development, but also certainly a CV or a resume uh, to show outcomes of, of what you what an individual has been doing in the lab or uh, combing through the literature to come up with original uh, research. I, the other piece that I, I would highlight about our conference is that we see the smiles on our students, but those smiles, nah, I would say sometimes filled with, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm doing this. And so therefore, the part that we also build is mentoring, really having from the moment they step onto that conference, we pair them up one-on-one -on -one with faculty members so that way they can ask questions. You know, how do I present? Where do I look? Where do I point? Uh, what are my key points? You know, what if I'm getting 10 questions at the same time? You know, a little bit of that coaching, a little bit of that training. Then we move into practice. You got practice. Present your poster to us, you know. And then the next day, you actually are ready. You, you, you'll still have the butterflies. Um, and part of what we do with the community is really encourage our community to go around as many posters as, as they can. You know, not only to ask questions, but certainly to give compliments to really help, again, uh, a first-time presenter. I, you know, a little bit of encouragement goes a long way. And I think the last piece is that when we acknowledge our winners for those posters and oral presentations, there is nothing that makes me happier than invite them on the stage, on the national stage for sadness where all the lights are on them. It's not about us, but it's about our students and our postdocs and giving them that moment on a national platform to shine and take that picture and send it back to their institutions because we know that uh, institutions uh, are trying to, and are, some of them are increasing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but a picture tells a thousand words and. I always like to say, I need that picture. I need that uh, that smiling uh, thousand students on there uh, celebrating their success. Yeah, absolutely, that's. I mean, and that's in a sense the the representation that will be seen by the you know the the students who are even in an earlier stage right now. Absolutely, we we actually take those um, uh, uh, to tell our stories to you you know. Every message that comes out of Saxon, so we, we think needs to have a picture behind that, uh, a picture of uh, at networking. What does networking look like? You know, uh, when you've never been to a national conference and you walk into a room of three to five hundred individuals and and you're like there, you know, uh, a picture of uh, again a presentation, uh, pictures of cultural events are. are our annual powwow uh, is a huge uh, time for us to celebrate culture at Sadness. Yeah, absolutely. Let's now, and you've mentioned a couple of times the this you know the size of the you know the meeting, um, the number of, of people who are a member or a member of the organization. Um, let's talk a little bit about you know kind of the growth years of Sadness and you know how it's become very large over time and, and become a very big destination for research. Well, that's been intentional. Uh, certainly a lot of work before I arrived as exe the executive director. SACNIS has always had um, strategic plans um, developed and implemented by uh, board and staff. 
um, in the last couple of years coming out of the, the pandemic, the type of growth that we've seen is because of the commitment that we have um, to help diversify STEM. Um, and so, you know, from, you know, like I said, 50 to 1,000 to 500, and now we're up to 6,000 individuals. Uh, what I, I, I did, um, I did a listening tour and I, I, I asked my uh, members, I was like, what do you enjoy most about uh, uh, SACNIS and coming to SACNIS? Um, most of the time, the, the answers that I got were, or, or included were like, uh, I feel like I'm at home. I, I feel like I'm attending a conference where I am among my community. I see myself, I see my colleagues, I see my research, I see how I can be the next leader. Uh, the other piece has been celebrating our culture. You know, one of the one of the videos that we do almost every year is to highlight uh, the attire, or the, or the regalia, or, or you know what our attendees wear to the conference. And it really is reflective uh, of the culture. Uh, the other piece has been just the access to our uh, expo hall, the access to meet. Uh, representatives from NASA, NIH, National Science Foundation, uh, Department of Education, you know, but it's also private industry like Google, Amazon, Eli Lilly. Um, and then again, having core uh, educational institutions uh, being represented, not by one booth, but maybe by 20, you know, there are many institutions that have so many programs. And so that access becomes uh, important. And I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit of, of a personal uh, observation is that when, when I walk the exhibit hall um, and I see students that are, are, are just there and I, and I know that look, I, I know the look of like, what do I do next? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? So I, I actually just, you know, go right in front of them, introduce myself, ask them, what the major are, what their career aspirations are, and then I'm like, okay, let me let me guide you, let me introduce you to this organization or this representative. Oh, or have you even thought about this? Oh my God, you know, you have so many options. Let's explore a couple of them. That's key for me. That that uh, providing that uh, venue and that uh, those opportunities for for all of our members. Yeah, that sounds incredibly valuable for them. Um, I'm wondering uh, if we could touch on just briefly, you know, the the breadth of the science that's kind of you know expressed at that meeting and among your members. Uh, what kinds of things are are being discussed at those meetings? So uh, we do have uh, a national call for proposals to populate all of our content, and so uh, we like to break our content up to probably into a couple of areas. One is real hard science. The hard science of uh, the research, the, uh, the what are you what's what are you doing in the lab? You know, uh, the what's going on in the environment? You know, uh, yeah, we also like to uh, separate into professional and leadership development, uh, and particularly uh, the example I use is you know how to raise how to go through the ranks of promotion and tenure and getting your uh, yourself ready, the science, all your credentials, leadership development in terms of what are the core competencies that you need to aspire to be the next 
dean, the next uh, leader in the lab, the next, uh, you know, provost. Uh, um, and then that other piece that I, I, I'll say is that we open it up to our, our students, again, to, uh, you know, what do they need? And, and what type of support do they need? So I'm going to go back to the, the content of uh, providing mentorship. You know, we have sessions that really focus on um, conversation with scientists, where a scientist will host a couple of students. Uh, no questions can't be, uh, all questions can be asked. Uh, nothing is off the table. But it really is an opportunity for, again, probably the first time for many of our attendees to have a, a conversation, meet an astronaut, meet a, a, bi a marine biologist, meet a geologist, you know, meet a mathematician, an engineer, uh, a doctor, uh, you know. Uh, there's so many options. What we try to do really is to be interdisciplinary. Every, we monitor. We monitor what's, 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 um, science fields are missing and where do we need to outreach to and where do we need to increase our efforts because we know that providing opportunities are key. And I'm wondering now about your own personal involvement and SACNIS and your path to becoming the executive director thereof. Uh, what drew you to the organization originally? Uh, you know, I've always known about SACNIS through its reputation. Um, there, uh, our annual diversity, uh, National Diversity in STEM conference. And um, I had never attended, but I was at an organization where the faculty always made it a point annually to recruit from the conference. And part of my journey to arriving to SACNIS is because uh, when I learned that they had an executive director position open, uh, I really looked at their mission. Um, and the mission is, is part of who I am. It's part of how I've grown up. It's part of, I'm a product of many things. Uh, and I like to share that I'm a product of community college. You know, I'm a product of a non being a non-traditional student. I didn't go right away into college. I went to, you know, just to do my own thing in life. Uh, I went to undergraduate. I went to an undergraduate school that focused on STEM at the time. I wanted to be a uh, physical therapy major, um, but I changed and I, I did a community and public health. It spoke to me. I, I found a, a passion in that. And then uh, it led me to work with faculty and students and just learning a, a lot about the hardships of becoming a full professor or getting that tenure position or applying to a graduate program or a professional school and, and getting declined or, or saying, you know what, you're not good enough. Uh, why don't you do something else? You know, it's like, a, you know, so... Sackness spoke and said, you know, I have an opportunity to help um, widen that workforce. And what I mean by that is like uh, some of the conversations that I've been involved with is like there are not many of us, many of us uh, individuals of color uh, or communities of color represented in the sciences. And so here's my opportunity to partner with the phenomenal board and staff and partners to widen that pool to make sure that our partnerships benefit our students and our faculty so that way we can diversify our institutions. We can be, 
help our institutions become more inclusive now more than ever, which is needed. Yeah, and that sounds like a, a very valuable story to be able to tell to you know um, students because I, 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 there's often when I speak with you know anybody who's very early in career this a perception that uh, you know uh, one's course is necessarily you know a single track to a high level or senior position, and so often it seems that it's you know a little bit non-traditional and things don't necessarily follow in that direct way that sometimes people perceive. But it's very valuable for them to kind of understand that that's you know not necessarily the case. It's key. I think many uh, of us um, have been uh, asked to assimilate to the fact that you do, you have a traditional path, high school, college, graduate, workforce, you work, you retire, you're successful. Um, But from our communities, it may not look like that way. It may look like when you're first generation, you maybe getting an associate's degree and going into the workforce. And in that case, what we advise or, or we share with our students is like, look for organizations that will support your continuing education. Maybe they'll pay for your bachelor's, your master's, your graduate uh, uh, degree. Um, if you're going right into the into your graduate programs, you know, hey, let's look for those opportunities that have fellowships or research opportunities or internships. You know, uh, let us help you identify that that passion that you have with a couple of opportunities. Um, other other factors that we take into consideration is also, you know, the pandemic changed a lot, and we know that our tribal colleges and universities are unique, um, not only. Um, in terms of culture, in terms of education and resources, but you know, a couple of things that we have done in, 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 in keeping in place is virtual activities. You know, um, they're valid. They're they're easier for us to host and easier for our members to access them. Um, whether it's on a cell phone, on a computer, in a group setting. Um, we really want to support our indigenous and Native American Alaskan Native communities. Let's talk a little bit about you know the way that the upcoming conference will kind of help you achieve those goals. Uh, you know, where is the conference, and and you know what kinds of things are you looking forward to for it? So this year we are going to celebrate our fiftieth year uh, in Portland, Oregon, October the twenty sixth through the twenty eighth. And we're so excited. We uh, have done a site visit to prepare. Um, and in preparing, we've engaged, again, our local community, not only our educational institutions, but certainly our indigenous communities, um, businesses and partners, um, just the hotel and the meeting industry. Uh, we, when we put on our, our conference, we put on an experience, an experience for everyone to attend. And part of that excitement is going to be celebrating the past, the present, and the future. It's a three-day full-packed event. It does include two major cultural events, um, among others, but our, our powwow um, is um, going to return uh, and we open that up to the community. Uh, we, we really celebrate that, uh, the culture. And then we're going to end it with a, a pachanga uh, for our 50th anniversary, which is really a celebration, a celebration of our of sadness and our success. Uh, the other piece that I'm um, highly excited about 
again, it comes back to reconnecting with, with you know, the faculty members, um, and particularly helping them also um, celebrate their success, whether they became, uh, whether they obtained their first academic appointment as an assistant professor or a lecturer, or they got promoted to an associate professor or a full professor, or have moved on to a leadership role. Um, of course, uh, we're aiming for over 6,000 individuals, and we can't wait. Yeah, it sounds very exciting. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to be wondering, you know, how they can get involved, and they'll be very excited about this. Of course, attending the meeting. But what other ways would you suggest that you know uh, those who are hearing something uh, today and it's resonating with them, uh, you know, kind of take that forward? I would say, uh, please consider donating to Sacnus. You know, we are an organization where we support our our members. Um, and again, I mentioned by removing barriers. And so any donation in any amount, uh, visit sacnus.org. Um, and if your company or your organization does a matching, consider putting Sacnus on, on the list as uh, a potential organization to do matching. Of course, you are welcome to become a member of Sacnus, uh, support Sacnus um, through membership. Uh, we have various levels of membership. And number three, I would say, help us tell our story, you know, connect with us on social media, you know, uh, retweet us, uh, re, uh, reshare or comment on something that we are sharing about our members, about our work, uh, our success. I, I think the, the community can help us tell our story. Absolutely. And I um, think that many will be happy to do so. Uh, and I'll include links in the show notes, uh, you know, for those who'd like to uh, donate or become members as well. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, I'd like to thank you for this wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed and thank you again for the invitation. And thank you very much for taking me up on it. All right. Great day. And that concludes this episode of Bioscience Talks. Just a reminder, the journal Bioscience is published by Oxford University Press on behalf of the American Institute of Biological Sciences and is made possible by the support of our members and donors. Thank you, and talk to you next time.